Welcome to the May edition of Life in the Tax Lane. Now, it would be just wonderful if we were to walk outside of this room and be able to see flowers growing, but there's still snow on the ground. So I brought my own... In fact, it just came yesterday. The what? The snow. Okay, well, major wonderful. Snowstorm. Anyways, I got my own flowers. It's going to be a good day, Hugh. It's not a major snowstorm. We were able to get into work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't be that bad. How bad could it be? Well... Some people who are not quite so happy in May are uh, those who picked up their tax return the end of April and had a big balance owing, and now they're thinking, I can't pay all that up front. Uh, we did have some commentary from Siri recently on the delights of a payment arrangement and a couple of new software tools. Right. Uh, one designed to say, well, if you make payments at this rate, how long is it going to take to wipe out that debt? And generally, CRA wants it gone well before next year's tax return has to be filed. So if you're making a pitch to them, you want to make sure you're in their time frame. And the other one goes through your incomes and your expenses to suggest how much of your cash flow could you free up to pay down this tax debt. And that probably wouldn't be a bad idea if you're trying to persuade that CRA collections officer if you've reached that point or if you're making contact proactively even better. Hmm. I filled these out and this is what I would propose using your own tools, CRA. Mm -hmm. You might have a better chance at getting them to agree, yeah, it's probably not that big a deal if we give you three or four months to clear that debt. Yeah. Let's move on to the next issue for today, reporting incentives. Ooh, this is a fun one, Katie. Oh, yeah. So it's just the reminder that if you're a business and you get some type of incentive from other parties, maybe suppliers uh, giving you a gift card, a prepaid credit card, maybe even a cash electronic funds transfer, that that's income. Even though it's not a sale, it's an amount you need to be reporting on your tax return. And CRA sent out alert saying, you got to do this. If you don't do this, congratulations, you've just joined the underground economy. Uh, so a heads up there. And we have seen projects to this effect. Yeah, I think one of the most recent projects was a focus on the pharmaceutical mm -hmm. industry and the sales of generic drugs and certain gifts or incentives provided back to the pharmacists. Uh, so that was a big project. And, and the question might be, how are you actually catching these people? What yeah. are you doing? What have you guys seen? Well, they're getting that information from the third party, matching the tax returns, a big thing. Um, you? Yeah, certainly they'll look to anything and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, and they can very easily go to court and say, I want all the uh, incentives you gave to your mm -hmm. suppliers. Mm -hmm. i got to figure that's how they dealt with their starting point for the pharmaceutical yeah. project. That's right. Go to the very few pharmacy companies and get the whole list. And uh, that's not the only project they're doing in the report. They said more projects are coming down the pipes. We don't have the names yet, but it is happening. Kate, okay, we know over the last couple of years, CRAs mm -hmm. received almost a billion dollars to step yeah. up audit activity of unreported income. They've commented on a number of occasions about things like the sharing economy. Mm -hmm. uh, Airbnb was concerned enough that this year they sent out letters to all their Canadian hosts reminding them that these are taxable events. You've got to make sure your filings are right. And uh, generally in every one of those documents down at the bottom, CRA says, now, if you have filed everything right, not to worry, you can come to us under the Voluntary Disclosure Program. And mm -hmm. we've talked in the past about changes to the Canadian program, but... Joe, some of the people we deal with don't have to deal with Canadian issues. They've got other issues to deal with. What's oh. going on in the rest of the world? Sure. You know, you got that property in the United States that you're earning money off of. Maybe you're an American in Canada and you've got filing obligations there. The Offshore Voluntary Disclosure Program in the United States is coming to an end this September. So you got to get your filings in by then. Now, 
this is not the full voluntary amnesty offered by the United States. It's, it's one major program, and it helps eliminate criminal charges and gives you a fixed amount that you're going to have to pay as a penalty. So there's some uh, security and confidence with this, but you do have to do eight years of filing. There is a softer version of this program, the streamlined filing procedures. Now, that is still going to be available. Uh, six years of filings are required there, but who knows how long that's going to be uh, open to open as well so we've definitely got to get on site as soon as possible if you're a u.s person you've got problems things you're gonna to have to deal with if you've got income earned from the united states that's also a challenge certainly too. joel the the streamlined procedure has been very popular for the average guy who doesn't mm -hmm. have a lot of weird tax issues right. especially in canada where they're paying as much or more taxes they would have paid in the u.s mm -hmm. but canada's kind of unique on the world stage having a voluntary disclosure program that just goes on forever so that one probably won't be around forever either. Yeah, we'll have to see. What's next? All right, so this is not tax specific, but it is very relevant to anybody who has a computer in their life, whether personally or whether in their business. And the concept probably is... Probably includes everyone watching this video. <laughs> yeah, the concept is if you are using a computer, you need to be looking at the software on your computer. Is it legacy software? Is it software that is obsolete, that is not being supported? And if you do have software, you gotta be looking at it and saying, you know, are there vulnerabilities in the software? Are there glitches that should have been fixed, but because it is not being supported, those fixes are not happening, and therefore it leaves us exposed to hackers and various different uh, breaches and security threats. Well, we're fortunate that as accountants, we got to update our software all the time. The tax software <laughs> keeps changing, keeps getting bigger, so we need new computers. That means new operating systems. We'd never get hitched by this, would we? Oh, never. Well, maybe not the software, but the saving conventions can be an issue too. And we're yeah. seeing this particularly these days in Microsoft Office. They've had a lot of old versions that are no longer supported, uh, but a lot of our files are saved in the old 97-2003, 15-year-old saving convention model. And it's been a lot of years since Microsoft Office has been supporting those older versions. So there are believed to be security holes. Now, why is this an issue? Uh, mm -hmm. Kind of bugs me when I deal with Microsoft Office because I went in trying to find how do I set it to automatically save my old file that I call up this year, make a few changes, so now it's the 2018 version, and save it down in the new format? And what I found was nothing. The default is whatever version you open it in, that's the version it closes in. You can't change that. So you've got to do a file save as to get it into the new format. And how do you tell? Well, you can just look at the name of the file. The last uh, old versions are all three characters, .doc for Word, .xls for Excel, .ppt for PowerPoint. But the current versions put an X behind that. Mm -hmm. So if it doesn't have an X, it's old. I think there are two major things to take away from this. First of all, you're dealing with very time-sensitive, important, confidential information. As you send a file out in an old format, susceptible to hackers. If it's going through email, it can be breached. Second part, if you're sending it to somebody and their IT protection uh, or their system there is preventing these files from being reached, your time-sensitive information may not be reaching them. Today, this is the time to think about how we are saving files. That's a good point, Joe, because I haven't seen a lot of organizations doing it yet, but I have seen a few whose emails are programmed to block receipt of those files. 
for just that reason. Yeah. So we got to be careful with what we're accepting into our email systems, but also are we bouncing things that are time sensitive? Yeah. So, Joe, what? move it on. Yeah, we're back. We're back in the tax world here. Uh, so let's talk about uh, requirement to assess amended T4. So we, we just got through the personal tax season, and uh, perhaps you got a T4 filed your return. You get an amended T4, and you go to amend your return there. Well, that's what happened to one individual recently, and there's quite a bit of withholdings that was listed on his T4. So when he amended his, for, his return, he was going to get a big refund. Now, the question here was, does CRA have to actually process that amendment right then and there? They took a look at the slip and said, this looks a little bit weird. We're going to do a full payroll audit. It was IBM, by the way. So they went to do a payroll audit of IBM, and this individual was trying to basically say, I cannot wait for this whole audit to end. I would like you to act with all due dispatch. That's what the requirement is. <laughs> and process my return now. Give me my refund. The judge took a look at this and said, well, no, hey, hey, hey. There's too many questions here. CRA's got to act with due diligence and make sure that that was not just an error, that you truly are entitled to it. You're going to have to wait till the end of it. So two takeaways here. There could be timing issues with it. And two, these amended returns or amended slips, especially if there's a big difference, can trigger a payroll audit fairly quickly. So be aware. Yeah, and so the last item here, uh, we just have a court case looking at whether you could claim a business investment loss. Remember that this is the ability to claim a loss to offset other types of income if, say, a loan you make to another corporation has gone bad. And there's a number of conditions you need to meet in order to claim this. This case looks at whether the business was carrying on active operations. And the bottom line here is that threshold to be carrying on active operations is pretty low. Note, however, that's only one of a number of conditions you need to meet in order to be claiming this business investment loss uh, on your tax return. And that's all we have for this month. Happy spring. Life in the Tax Lane is presented by Video Tax News. The Video Tax News team has been supplying practical tax information to accountants and tax professionals for over 30 years. This Canadian-based company presents live and video seminars to thousands of tax professionals relating to both personal and corporate tax. Learn more at videotax.com. That's B-I-D-E-O-T-A-X.com. The preceding information is for general educational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see videotax.com slash disclaimer. Copyright Video Tax News, Inc. 2018. All rights reserved.